most people think. Hello and welcome to episode 80 of What Most People Think. Man, what a, what a week to be doing the podcast, eh? The interview, did you see it? Did you see the interview? My God, the first thing to say about the Meghan and Harry interview is that it was, um, it was way too American, right? We're going to get into the weeds of all of the he said, she said bullshit. But my God, I mean, could it not have been just handled on the one show? Yeah, on the one show between a little report from Phil Tufnell a bit of reportage, maybe from John Sargent. You know, it was just a little bit too saccharine, wasn't it? But we will we will be getting on to that. And then, of course, the big news, right? We're all getting up the following morning. The dust has barely settled on the explosive bombshell interview with Meghan and Harry and Oprah. And then Piers has gone. Piers has gone. They're just they're dropping like fries. What a patriot Piers Morgan was. He, he threw himself on the grenade of his own career to save the Queen. <laughs> Is like a sort of a jowly broadcasting version of James Bond. He did it for the monarch, man. He did it for the monarch. And I saw GMB. I mean, one of the issues is one of the issues going forward is is what that program will be like without Piers Morgan. Well, I didn't used to watch it anyway, but I watched it this morning, and uh, I think it's been boring as shit. I think it's been boring as shit. I mean, you you look at uh, Susanna Reid, right, and you think, well, what? I mean, her main thing is doing an eye roll while Piers is wanging on. So what's she going to do that to? Is she going to do an eye roll while the geezer's doing the weather? Oh, my God, that's so triggering that he's pissing down. What are you going to have? You're going to have Ben Shepherd climbing into ministers by the... What's Ben Shepherd going to do? Is he going to do sort of like a, well, do you want to play on to see what would happen? Is he going to take some sort of weird tipping point approach to the whole thing? But anyway, this is what most people think. This is a comedy podcast coming at things from the angle of someone who, yeah, who's a bit on the small C conservative side, someone who's willing to say that I guess the interview enhanced my view of them as a couple, but I still find them really fucking annoying. <laughs> That's fair enough, isn't it? They still annoy me a bit. I don't, you know, I don't feel that we have to take every single thing. You know, you can take certain things at face value and you can query other things, which we will be getting into. Uh, just one thing with this show is we have a cuss count. We have a weekly tracker, uh, which is compiled by a loyal and esteemed listener, David Domain. I haven't said it for a while, but David Domain is just such a fucking great name. David Domain. I mean, Coming to America 2 is out now, and he does sound like the bass player in Sexual Chocolate. <laughs> now I'm going to hand over. I'm going to hand over now to my bass player, David Domain. <laughs> That's my Eddie Murphy impression there. I don't know if that was accurate. I used to be a lot hotter on it while... I was watching, uh, my my son was into Shrek films more. But yeah, when you speak like Eddie Murphy, you just, you just got to speak like Donkey out of Shrek. But one of the problems is when I do this voice, they don't want to hear nothing else after. So yeah, let's go back to my monosyllabic fucking drool. Uh, the cuss count for last week was a guest episode. So we had 16 fuckings. Uh, we had, this was with Andrew Doyle. 16 fuckings, 9 fucks, 5 shits and 2 clusterfucks. People seem to generally enjoy the episode, but we do have an updated cuss count leaderboard coming off the back of that. So that means Doyley was making his third appearance now, and let's see what that's done to his stats. That has pushed him up to overall cuss count 21. 21, that's based on three appearances, so he's averaging seven an episode. Very consistent there, very consistent. David Badil currently in third place, but that he's got 20 based off one, so his average is 20. It'd be great to have him back to see if he can challenge that. Constantine uh, is in fourth place 
on 17 cuss, 17 swear words in three appearances, 5.66. And uh, a lot of the other people haven't been back often enough to make a meaningful comparison. But, uh, but as things stand, Romish Ranganathan still way, way out ahead uh, with two appearances, 53 swears. That's a level of swearing I fucking respect. Patreons, we have a Patreon community. They are the people that keep the podcast weekly and ad-free. And let's just remind ourselves why we are ad-free, because you'll be listening to a lot of these new podcasts by famous people. And fair enough, they've got advertising on them. I personally have elected to go without that, because what I don't want is to have to interrupt the broadcast to give you these weird new products or apps that don't really perform any meaningful function in your life, like ding-dong. Hi, I'm Jeff Norcott, and like most men... Sometimes I just feel a bit off. Do you feel like that? Well, try Man Period. Yes, Man Period is a new app that you can have in your Apple iPhone fucking watch thing. And it tracks your hormonal balances because, yes, men have periods too. Have you ever just felt a bit tetchy or like you didn't want to have sex? Well, scratch that. You've probably rarely felt like that. But remember, men have periods too. Man period. Bing bong. So stuff like that. They are funding us not hearing stuff like that. Uh, there was somebody who recently messaged me that he was a bit gutted that I didn't insult his name. And this is what I love about my listeners is that often people will complain about a lack of swearing in an episode. And some people is annoyed that they didn't get roasted. So could you, if you're listening, I don't know who you are, uh, if you could contact me again just to remind me. But we've got new patrons this week. Uh, Paul Thompson. Just sounds like the head of factual programming at fucking Bravo. I was going to say Bravo. Does that channel even exist anymore? Uh, we've got a guy called Sam Salvadorai. Sam Salvadorai. The latest film from Sam Salvadorai. That's one of those names that um, people, sort of liberals like saying. Have you ever noticed that? Yeah, you heard the new, seen the new film by Sam Salvadorai. I, me- I remember there was a player, what was his name? Sergio Conceição. And all my, all my friends that were a little bit saw themselves as a bit European. They remember they like saying his name. It's like, um, who's that producer? Taika Watiti. People, just because it's an unusual name, people like saying it. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Taika Watiti. Yeah, you saw Th- Thor Ragnarok, right? Don't act like you're fucking Mark Kermode. Um, John Lupton. John Lupton. You see, you know, you, you sound like a bass player from a famous punk band, you know, like John Lupton, bass player for the Stranglers. Wrapped himself around a lamppost age 22 and nick mcgill i always think like that kind of name just sounds australian nick mcgill everybody just sounds like a really fucking mediocre australian comedian hi i'm nick mcgill and a funny thing happened on the way to the gig uh, i had a mundane life Anyway, uh, my son went back to school this week. My son went back to school. And I did notice, I don't know if this has happened in your household, but he is now the only person in the household with an interest in life. He's the only one with shit going on. Like When he got back in the door, me and my missus, we was crowding him out. Like, what news? What news? What ho? What? <laughs> what's happened? What's, how's, how's things going? You know, like, what's, uh, you know, you back in with uh, Jordan and Cody or you still, still, is that beef with fucking Maisie still going down? <laughs> Classic Maisie. Um, so, yeah, it was kind of exciting. I think he could sort of tell, like, because like when he left the house, I was on the couch doing a Zoom meeting or something incredibly powerful and masculine like that. And when he came back, I was doing the same thing. So I'm a, I'm a bit jealous of him at the moment. But also, he is, he's the only one rocking new anecdotes. So I can't wait. As I'm recording this, was it lunchtime? I've, got, I've only got another three hours to wait to find out what happened with Glittergate. I don't want to get into the fucking 
the guts of it. But somebody threw glitter in little Alistair's face. No one's come forward as of yesterday, but today we are expecting one or two developments. Uh, thank you to my son. Uh, he's just saying incredibly funny things. So I was sort of speaking to him about the need to sort of give give your old fella a good shake after you've had a week. Because you know it's like with little boys, right? And a lot of men is that they just kind of go, and then they're off. You know what I mean? They're off doing some other shit, but to do with dinosaurs. And and I was just saying, look, look, I said, you've got to do it. you got to get, you know, grab it near towards the end, give it a good shake. And it's these weird things that you have to do as a dad, right? And then um, I said, and then he said, how do, how do you know all this stuff about willies? <laughs> and it was both really funny. And it also sounded like he was inferring something. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, how many, how many toilets have you been hanging around, dad? Um, but all, like I was just this willy expert, and I said to him, well, I have had one for 44 years, son. And fuck you this week. The fuck you this week goes to the makers of Space Jam 2. I don't know if you saw, they go, they released a, an announcement saying that they had decided to cut uh, that pervy skunk Pepe Le Pew from the upcoming reboot of Space Jam, Space Jam 2, okay? So if you don't remember Pepe Le Pew, in the original Looney Tunes, is it, it's Looney Tunes, right? He was always on the, uh, he was always sharking someone, wasn't he? He was always, and it was often like, it was always that cat, when you remember the female cat that he thought was another skunk. And I was saying this to a colleague the other day, could we just admit that the female cat was kind of sexy? I mean, I know that <laughs> Might feel wrong, I say, but uh, she was, she was, you know, she knew what she was doing. I don't think you're allowed to say that. Am I allowed to say that now in relation to a fictional cat, <laughs> a bit of a hoochie cat? I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, so they come out and say that uh, Pepe Le Pew has been cut from the film. Now, I'm calling bullshit. I'm calling bullshit on this. I don't think he was ever in the film. Maybe I've become cynical with all these press releases. I just don't believe that he was ever in the film. I want to see the deleted scenes of this film already. I want to see the director's cut. What was it that he did? Because the thing is, is if you've actually put in really bad, like out of all the scenes in this day and age, I think that you're not fully paying attention anyway. It's a fucking PR stunt, isn't it? It's a PR stunt to reassure snowflake parents, isn't it? Let's get a bit of uh, let's get a bit of PR for the film, and let's also just signal, you know, to these modern parents going, oh, I don't know if I want Phoebe to watch that because I don't know Daffy Duck was kind of a toxic presence in the workplace, and you know, Bugs Bunny was a bit arrogant, and a lot of the white characters in it, I could imagine, maybe had Confederate flags in their garages, you know. I'm thinking Elmer Fudd, well, he wouldn't have voted for Biden. Enough of that. Let's get into the real details of the bombshell interview with Oprah and Meghan slash Harry. Meghan and Harry, mainly Meghan. Okay, so I don't know if you watched it, but it seems impossible that you haven't encountered the clips or the, the main details from the show uh, but let, let, let's go through it bit by bit. Like I said earlier, first up, the, the way too fucking American. I mean, one issue that I have with Americans in the way that they deal with public figures is way too celebratory to begin with. And we know this because we've seen the chat shows, you know, the Jimmy Fallons, the Jimmy Kimmels and other people called Jimmy. They come out and he's Matthew McConaughey. <sighs> All right, fair enough. He's made a few good films. We'll give him a round of applause on the way out. And he'll just say, uh, so what are you up to, Matthew? And he'll go, well, I just, uh, just filmed, uh, just f- uh, finished filming a new film called uh, The Wooden Tip. The Wooden Tip. And everyone's clapping. You ain't seen the fucking film. It might be shit. 
might be shit, but they just give him a round of applause for that. So let's just say that Americans tend to go into these interviews a bit on the sycophantic side uh, to begin with. Let's also deal with Megan's dress. I didn't expect to have a view on this, but I thought it was a great dress. It was I love a maxi dress on a woman. Uh, I think the black and white really works for her as colours. <laughs> I'm losing subscribers and listeners. They're going, what the fuck has happened to Norcott? He's become like that bloke off GMB who sits with Lorraine saying who wore it best. I just thought it was a great dress. Sorry, sorry, cancel me, right-wingers. Okay, I thought it was a great dress. There was a couple of memes doing the rounds uh, pointing out that the sort of white splurge on the on, on the lapel means maybe she borrowed it from Monica Lewinsky. Uh, and I'll let you do the maths on that joke. First question I've got about it. So let's get it out there first of all, that I have been not exactly, I haven't been team Meghan and Harry, but I haven't hated them. I just found them progressively more annoying. But it's certain to say that I had a, a more positive view of them after this in, interview than before, but I still had quite a few questions, right? First up, why did Meghan get a bit on her own? If this is, this is his family, okay, this is a bigger deal for him. And if you want to claim that this isn't about building Meghan's profile in the US and globally, then why does she get the one shot on camera? Okay, this is Harry's family. Fucking Harry, he's back there feeding the chickens. And f by the way, feeding the chickens, you know, like jump the shark as a way of uh, describing a program that's taken an idea too far or jump in the couch when uh, Tom Cruise jumped over the couch and Oprah to say how much he loved <laughs> Katie Holmes, fucking weirdo. Um, maybe feeding the chickens is now a new way of describing when your missus is going to town and your family and you're just hoping, like, you're just in the background just pretending nothing's happening. You know, we, 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 had, a, we, we had a family lunch. Uh, yeah, we had a family lunch and uh, missus, oh, my gosh, she was really feeding the chickens tonight. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. I had to go to the salad bar. Uh, <laughs> pretend it weren't happening. Why, yeah, why was she speaking on her own? I think I warmed to her more, you know? I warmed to her more. She seems quite She seems quite nice. And I know a lot of the women right now, a lot of the women be going, oh, fucking hell, another bloke bought in by this this woman, this bloody woman. This is women see through other women's bullshit much better than men do, right? And uh, I would have loved to have watched this with my old dear. Oh, my God. My mum, it's fair to say, was probably a bit sexist against women, but she also liked Hollywood starlets. She didn't like, she liked real women. She didn't like kind of pretentious women. And my mum, at every turn, would have been going, oh, oh, here she goes. Oh, look, oh, she's misting up. She's missed. Oh, here come the waterworks. Here come the waterworks. Oh, oh, you complained to a royal, did you, about feeling sad with your tiaras? Yeah, I, I warmed her a bit more. I, I just, there were just some things that I didn't fucking credit, you know? Like when she said she hadn't researched her her husband, you know? She hadn't researched Harry. To believe that would mean that I would have to discount everything I've ever learned about women and long game. And women are, in terms of like social events or even they're meeting your parents for the first time, they just think this stuff through more. They are, they plan it stuff out like a fucking situation room. You know, like the whole thing of like doxing people on Facebook, you know, to believe me, if you're going for a second date with a woman, she's looked at all your photos on Facebook, okay? She probably knows more about your ex-girlfriend's crucial details than you do, all right? So the idea that Megan do, didn't do this, it either means that she's a better actress than I gave her credit for, or she's dumber than I gave her credit for, all right? And then the curtsy thing. Like, you know, I, I, I didn't know you had to curtsy. All right, let, let's, um, let's, you know, take it, even fucking King Ralph, in that film, right? Do you remember that film? 
John Goodman just becomes the king. Even he knew that people around him had to curtsy. But all right, let's take it at face value. She didn't need, know that she needed to curtsy to the queen. So? <laughs> curtsy. Yeah. Oh, oh no, then we, me and Harry got out of the car and I had to practice on the pavement. Oh, fucking hell. Are you all right, love? Are you all right having to practice a fairly basic manoeuvre? The kind of just slightly more complicated than a bow, than doing a bow. I mean... I'm sorry, that, that didn't register on the empathy scale for me. So, oh, God, she, had to, she, had, she didn't know that you had to curtsy. And then she moaned about having to learn the national anthem. I, do you know what? I, th- I, think for, I think for the titles and the tiaras and the money, I think that's fair enough. I think that's all right. I don't think that's an excessive demand that you just have to Google a pretty well-known song that actually has a very easy-to-follow melody. I mean, come on. Like, I mean, look, I'm very patriotic. It's not... It's not the most inspiring. <laughs> God save our grace. It's got, I mean, like the first two lines are essentially the same. You know, no one knows the second chorus anyway. So fucking, you're good. Once you know that, the camera's off you. So yeah, poor Megan having to learn the national anthem. Where, where I did start to have sympathy was, you know, the idea of family members and then the press briefing or potentially saying things that weren't true, right? So one of them was the that uh, Megan made Kate cry. Well, it turns out Kate made Megan cry. And <laughs> it's still, let's, let's just establish one thing as well. This is still one person's version of events. But, you know, if that has been leaked to the press and it's not true, I can understand why you'd want to put your side of things, right? And and this does bring up a wider point is, you know, and I mentioned this on Twitter this week. How, how would our families be if we all had press officers? Just think, just think about any family gathering, right? Do you know what I mean? Just think about Easter. You know, you're getting together for Easter. Remember when we could do that? Getting together for Easter. And then, like, two days later, it's in the mail on Sunday. Jeff drunk during Easter egg hunt for second year running. (laughs) And then it comes to Harry, right? Then it comes to Harry. And I started thinking, you know, looking at him and thinking about his life and what happened to him. I mean, like, just that photo. And I think we're probably all on the same page here. That photo of him walking behind a coffin, it's just one of the most appalling things. You think, fucking hell, it wasn't wasn't that long ago. Why did we let that happen for a nine-year-old boy? So, like, whatever he's turned out as, I think is a result. (laughs) You know what I mean? Even when he was going through his things of uh, partying in Vegas and dressed up as a Nazi, you go, like, that is still, when someone's mum died in those circumstances publicly, that is still, like, nowhere near the worst thing. I mean, if you think about Prince Harry's life, it actually wouldn't be that much of a shock. If he went back to the weapons cache at his old barracks and just like shot up Fleet Street, so you know if he if he thinks that he wants to get to LA because all this stuff with his missus has activated a fear that history might be repeating itself, then 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 fair enough. But that that is another reason why I'm saying why didn't he? This is his family. He's got like more skin in the game here. She did make it about her. You know, she did make it about her. I think that at the very least they should have both spoke on camera separately. And then add a check. God, it's nice to have this gossip in it. Let's just be honest, right? One of the main reasons that we're talking about this is because it's fucking something to talk about. We haven't even had any family gatherings to have a row about. Do you know what I mean? You can't you can't have a good old breakout into a bit of family gossip on WhatsApp based on a Zoom fucking quiz. Here are the royal family slugging it out in public. And I thank Gould. I thank Gould for the soap opera. I thank God for it. And, you know, I don't think when it comes down to it, 
that the royal family are that different from many British families, right? You've got a situation where the older ones might be a bit racist. Yeah? Sister-in-laws just grinning and bearing, not really getting on. Brothers at odds because they're both striving to be the big dogs at that time. What is different? In that context, think about your own family. Even if you don't have the exact same problems, the level of complication, I think, is quite common. But you can't just discount, you know, the comment about somebody asked him how dark he thought the baby would be. Now, you you can only Harry will know the the way in which that was asked. And I think we can all agree that there's a a sort of flippant way where that could be asked in interest. And then there's another way which probably suggests... (laughs) a little bit of fear right and that is a different um suggestion but in since you know since that interview went out i've had discussions with people in mixed race couples about this very thing and it seems that that speculation occurs from the mum the dad the relatives all around and it can be both innocent and negative but looking at i, I think right being fair to harry looking at his face when he said it I, I i get the impression it wasn't said in that nicer way do you know what i mean you know, it wasn't kind of like, oh, you know, I wonder what skin tone it'll be. It does seem like it's more of like, um, how dark do you think it would be? How Can you see on the scans? Can you tell? I'm just asking. I'm just asking. Is it going to be? Is it going? Just Here's a Dulux wallpaper thing. Just show me on the scale where we think it's going to be. And then I'll know what we're working with. The upshot of a lot of this, right, is that the reaction, and we'll get to the Piers Morgan thing in a second, is that... We could see, and let's not forget, okay, that these are very privileged people. One of the reasons I I feel happy taking the piss out of all of this is because ultimately this is two, you know, privileged people, Harry and Meghan and the Royal Institution, the Queen, everybody, they're privileged people. And this is a public game of he said, she said. So I'm going to take the piss, right? I'm going to take the piss. But one of the consequences in terms of people backing off to the way that they've done, right, and I understand that there are legitimate reasons for it, is we could soon see people getting um, insulated, very privileged people getting insulated from any criticism. And look, the the right to criticise the royals was one of the very first freedoms of speech that we won in this country. And, and it would be a real shame if we, you know, because ultimately I'm a monarchist, but if we can't take the piss, then fuck it, let's be a republic. Well, that argument ended up in a slightly different place than I thought. I did, I, I did not think at the beginning there that I was going to say, fuck it, let's become a republic. I don't want to be a republic. I think that this country, we need, we, you know, we don't have much. We've got the Morris dancing, do you know what I mean? We've got fish and chips. And then right now, I know there's some liberal person going to be, you know, actually, Jeff, fish and chips were invented by the Jewish in Eastern Europe. Yeah, well, you yeah, know what? Fuck it, okay? When, when tourists come and have dinner in London, they want a bit of fish and chips. Yeah, that's one of the great things about Britain. It's a melting pot and fish and chips are every bit as British as fucking chicken tikka masala. Uh, just on the tour note, just to remind you, there's a few dates of places that we're going to for the very first time. We're going to the Queen's Theatre in Barnstable, somewhere out there in the West Country. Bring your sister, bring your partner. They might be the same person. Come on, come on. I had to do the joke. People in Barnstable right now go, it's not even that far west. We don't even fuck our sisters that much. Um, we've got another Leicester Square date, Leicester Square Theatre. So we had two dates already and they sold out and we're adding a third one. And I am happy about that because it means some of you that couldn't get tickets can now get tickets. And also, whoever that industry insider was 
who bitched to the Guardian that said, you know, people, you know, people like right wing comedians like Jeff Norcott, they can't sell tickets in London. Well, well, looky here. Okay, looky here. Saturday, the 9th of October. It goes on sale this Friday, which is going to be the 12th of March. And that will be an unprecedented third London date on the tour for me. So it's almost like London, you know, is a place that has lots of people of lots of different opinions and people can also laugh at stuff they don't necessarily agree with. Um, just a thing on the Patreon, uh, there's still benefits to come this month. There'll still be an article, an exclusive article for Patreon. There'll be a Patreon-only episode, which will be coming to you in a couple of weeks. I'm now scheduling these things in. And I spoke to you last week about the Radio 4 thing, so I'm just getting details of how I can get an allocation for Patreon to watch and be present for the record of my Radio 4 show, which I think is happening uh, on the 7th of April. And then also there's the book, which is coming out on May the 13th. Where did I go right? How the left lost me. You'd be doing me a solid if you pre-ordered that just to calm you know, <laughs> the publishers down because we're not, we're not touring now in the spring, so we can't sell tickets face-to-face. But I'm in the process of doing the inserts for people, we will be able to get some copies signed. And I think Amazon at the moment, they just do, they've, they've, they've knocked another quid off or something. So I don't know, I think they're doing a general sale thing on books, but get in there while that lasts. And yeah, that's the end of the hype bit. But just remember, there's no adverts on this show. Oh no, no, there's no adverts on this show whatsoever. Uh, probably apart from all the ones I just did about myself. <laughs> So now we're on to the fallout, which was Piers Morgan. Piers Morgan fell out. And you knew, you knew this news had cut through when members of your family don't really normally talk about this shit going, Piers Morgan walked off GMB. <laughs> Piers Morgan walked on GMB. You're like, oh, fuck, this is, this is a proper big story. I'm unbelievable, this guy, how well he knows this industry, that he can manage to be the joint biggest story. Just shows the currency that opinions have at the moment. So on Monday, he went in pretty hard, you know, and he, but I think he represented um, a fairly common view in Britain in terms of their reaction to Meghan and some of the claims that were being made. He went, so he went in hard. He represented that view. I don't have a problem with that. All the other numpties on GMB, they all held the other view, right? So it's not a problem to have one person in there representing that view. One thing I would say for him is that it is a bit weird the way he is with Megan. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's a bit obsessive. He has been going on about it a lot, tweeting about it all the time. So there are two things, like, maybe if he'd gone in that hard but didn't have the kind of previous with Megan, it might have cut a slightly uh, different image. And he cast aspersions on the mental health thing, which, again, is one of those things at the moment which is uh, there's going to be consequences. Whether or not you agree those consequences are proportionate is debatable. But then Alex Beresford, right? So the following day after the interview goes out, Alex Beresford, the fucking weather guy, he lays in to Piers, right? Calls Piers' actions diabolical and then Piers storms off set. And I've got to say, man, fairness to him, it was one of the better storm off sets I've ever seen, ever. Because the thing about storming off is, is there are risks there because you're often got you're hooked up to a mic. Do you know what I mean? It can take, you, you, know, you know, the messy ones where the, all of the, dr- the drama of the moment is lost because you had to kind of come back and unhook yourself. It's so degrading, isn't it? You come back, hang on, just say, fuck, can you get the sound guy on, please, so I can storm off spontaneously? Well, speaking of that, was it planned? Was it planned? There were talks, there were rumours that Piers is already in discussion with GB News. Those are only rumours. Those are only rumours. But it got, it got the second most complaints ever to Ofcom. <laughs> 
you know. Bearing in mind Prince Andrew did in it. Oh, can we just say something about Prince Andrew as well? I've seen a lot of talk on, you know, kind of liberal social media saying, well, you know, Prince Andrew, no one, he got off scot-free, didn't he? He talked about all that. He did all that stuff and we never talk about him. We go, really? Did he get off scot-free? Because uh, I'm pretty sure the whole country thinks he's a bit of a nonce. <laughs> But yeah, ITV asked him to apologise and he said no, so he resigned, right? Now, first up, look, whatever you think about a man and whatever you think about he said, there's no point in apologising if you're not sorry. What is the point? It just, it, it leads to debate in this country. It's a very strange area of people who continue. You see it with comedians as well. Recently, I don't know if you saw this, Sarah Silverman uh, apologised for jokes that she made about Paris Hilton in 2007. You're like, fucking, you're a comedian, She's got a brilliant comedian in her time, but now she seems to be on this tour of sort of saying sorry for shit that she did in the past. I don't know what her next live show's going to be. <laughs> just going out there and just reading off fucking, like, uh, press releases, just saying, I'm sorry for these jokes. I mean, Paris Hilton was, like, one of the most privileged people in the world, and yet she was kind of acting in a way like there were no repercussions for her, certainly not the same repercussions that there were for normal people. I've got no problem with roasting celebrities like Ricky Gervais. He does exactly the right thing when he does his monologues. But you've got to wonder, going forward, all people have then got to say is, well, it affected my mental health. Everyone's going to back the fuck off. You know, I've had people, I've had people go for me, and I'll be honest, it's affected my mental health. But I would rather <laughs> let them keep doing it than admit that they hurt me. And when it comes to Piers Morgan, there are... Do I enjoy his pomposity? No, not really. I don't really... I never really watched GMB. I admired his principled stance on Brexit. Uh, I admired him in a way for going for the government when everyone was standing off at the beginning of the COVID. I didn't agree with all of it. And I felt like he overdid it at at times. But there is this worry, man. There is this worry that in mainstream terrestrial television, this happens with news and it's been happening for a long time in comedy, is we're going to end up with the partitioning of viewpoints, right? So what you're going to have is, you know, him represent, you're going to, you know, like, because it was already him and a bunch of simpering numpties on GMB, wasn't it? And he was just one kind of outlet for one view. And that, and that, it turns out, was a bit too much, right? And they're all going, they'll all be on other shows. And this is, you know, it's the same as happened with comedy. I know that there are people very high up in the BBC that want to kind of get a diverse range of views on pre-existing shows. Well, I think that's the way forward too. But these shows don't really want that. The people that make these shows don't want that. And what you're going to end up is, you're going to end up with conservative news, liberal news. You're going to you're going to end up as we already sort of are, with kind of you know right wing comedy shows, left wing comedy shows. And it would have been better if we could have all done it in the same room because you know why? It's fucking more interesting. It's more interesting. You know, like some of the best podcasts I've done with guests are because we were. We were coming at it from different angles, but doing it respectfully. And I just feel like there's there's a lot of snowflakes out there on both sides who cannot deal with that. And you just think about breakfast television now. You're going to have, you know, that fucking Dan Walker. You know, he's just like, he looks like he was kind of pre-approved by the church. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like the BBC. Who is not going to say any bad shit ever, right? And then they've got Naga. She's the, co- I mean, just to show you, just to show you how kind of sort of anodyne BBC Breakfast News is. Naga is the controversial one, right? And then you'll, go, you'll flip over to GMB and, you know, they'll be grilling a, a minister with tuts and eye rolls, right? Yeah, oh, minister, right? So that, that kind of attack dog, Piers Morgan, would have been gone. And I think that we, we'll all suffer, man. So that is my big fear 
going forward is that Piers Morgan's not going to be the last, is he? He's not going to be the last. We'll probably have someone, they'll go for someone else next. That poor bastard will lose their job. And that'll be the moment where we start to reflect and start to realise that TV, news, comedy, without strong opinions, is boring as fuck. Okay, that took up quite a lot of the show, but I'm sure you'll agree it was big news. What, what do you think about what I've said? Is that fair? Is that fair what most people think? You know, that is the point of this podcast, is trying to get to a fair, you know, middle Britain view. Is that it? Let me know what most people think at gmail.co. I don't know. What most people think UK at gmail.com. That's it. Um, so we just for the letters now, we're going to get into the letters here. Uh, first letters from Richard in Sheffield. Uh, should the Queen arrange for the extradition of the ginger duo and in these pandemic times quarantine them in Tower of London? Um, I think that, I think that, I mean, it has been a long time since the Queen pulled a proper boss bitch move like that. Do you know what I mean? Just, just going, you know what? I'm sick of trying to be a modern monarch, Right. To doing all the fluffy stuff and the understanding stuff. Let's start, let's start fucking people start losing heads now. Okay. Let's start with just a little shot across the across the bows. Megan and Harry in the tower. Okay, Andrew, let's put him on a rack. Yeah. Let's <laughs> let's start so some of these little twats. Let's let's start disappearing some of these little Republican twats on Twitter. I'd love it if she just went and she just lent into it. You know what these people have said for years, you know, monarchy is shady, MI5 killed Diana. She's like, all right. If people think this, let's start knocking some people off. This is this is a, a serious letter here that I got um, recently. Um, I'm going to talk about it anonymously, but let's just start because we we discussed trans issues on a few of the guest shows recently, and I got this letter, and I think it's worth some attention. So I'm going to read the letter in full. Hi Jeff, I'm one of your Patreon supporters and listen every week. Politically, I've always been right of centre, but I'm also a lady who was born with gender dysphoria, essentially born in a man's body. Struggled through life until I was finally brave enough to do something about it and went through gender transition. I'm now fully transitioned to the stage that people who meet me think I was born a woman and even men that I have relationships with don't know which is exactly what I've always wanted, just to slip unnoticed into the world as a woman and not have a big song and dance made about my condition. I mean, first up, this confirms something that we've discussed a lot, is that the people you hear in the press about trans do not represent people who are just trying to get on with their lives, right? We said this time and time again, and I think I'd imagine that uh, this lady speaks for a lot of women, really. Uh, as the trans issue seems to come up a lot in your podcast, I just wonder if it would be interesting for you to have a chat with me at some point, just to set the record straight and get from the horse's mouth what it is like to be genuinely transgender. In reality, there are very, very few people who actually go through the whole gender transition process. I understand that it's less than 100 a year who in the UK who have the full operation. I mean, it is really interesting and it's so useful to have this conversation is that... I, I didn't know. I thought I thought it was way more than that. And you think, my God, right? So then we're down to, we're not down to, I, I again, what most people think, most people I speak to, even older members of, of the family around me, are kind of like, yeah, if you've gone through the transitioning process, I think most people are willing to treat and deal with people as, as fully as the sex that they present as. I think maybe people would always think that, you know, in terms of, uh, certain kind of internal things there will always be differences but on the on the face of it i think that's most people treat and relate okay i'll read on and although much is said about trans people the majority seems to be about a guy who decides to put on a dress and self-identify as a woman i mean the great thing is 
You can say that without getting in trouble. I, I'm not sure I can. Uh, rather than someone who's gone through hundreds of hours of psycholo- psychology, psychi- psychiatry, surgery, and quite a lot of pain to fully transition. So again, I think this is important context. I think that the mistake of self-identification is to also then think that people are able to physically transition without much of a process. And this sort of gives a bit of context to that. Uh, there is so much utter bollocks spouted by people who think they know what it is to go through this process and what it involves. I do get cross with the way that the woke left have suddenly decided to jump on this bandwagon and make a thing out of what is basically a medical condition. I'm happy to help in whatever way I can. All I would ask is that you don't use my real name for obvious reasons. I thank you so much for that input because that's one of the things that I've thought for a long time is we're not really hearing from normal people going through this process. I also had another email uh, from the same person who was talking about you know how it works in, in relationships. And, and look, I, I'm going to get... Uh, into details here uh, she spoke about how the vagina that she now has is so realistic that most men don't realize i'm interested by that this is the thing we feel bad about asking these questions but a lot of it because we're all quite smutty people aren't we when you hear about this stuff you're like well, what's the dick like what's the dick like? what's the what's the family that's the stuff that we want to know let's be honest and it turns out this one uh yeah is quite a quite a, d- a decent little unit and am I, have I drifted into like unwittingly from being quite PC into talk about stuff, but from the nature of the correspondence I've had with this lady, I'm pretty sure that she would be cool with that. So, so thank you for that. And I think if you, upon hearing this, if this changes anything that you thought and felt or have any questions, maybe I could act as an intermediary in an ongoing conversation. So email me what most people think UK at gmail.com and let's have a properly liberal conversation rather than one that's just playing to the galleries. Picking up on another thing from a previous episode. So I think uh, in the Andrew Doyle episode, I uh, asserted that Sri Lankans have long names, right? And a lot of syllables. So I have, I I put the call out, Rakesh, Rakesh. um, He says, I'm Sri Lankan born and bred. I live in Australia, but now spent 12 glorious years in the UK before coming to a country with beautiful weather. Um, He said, you were spot on about Sri Lankan surnames. There are a lot of Fernandos and De Silvas. That's true. Yeah, from my knowledge of cricket, is some really kind of like groovy names out there. Uh, hey, Fernando. But of course, but the stereotypical name badge that begins on the front of the shirt and ends with the back is based in truth. My name is, my grandfather's name is. Now, I promised Rakesh that I was going to attempt this surname. This brings me back. I've been reading a book for my son at night that has these dinosaur names and he finds it fucking hilarious how I can't pronounce any of them. This is an incredible amount of syllables. So his grandfather's surname was Cannabathiphili Subramaniminium. <laughs> I mean, that just to sound like a really cool Mesozoic era dinosaur. Cannabathiphili. Sub- I'm actually getting worse every time. He says, How's that for a tongue twister? Uh, I used to love listening to Tony Gregg and David Lawyer trying to say Calawitharana and Muralever. And see, I nailed those ones, but that's only because of cricket. But yeah, it was funny. There was a certain period in cricket when Sri Lanka first came in and he had these old white guys on Test Match Special. Um, coming into ball, there is, uh, is uh, Murali. Murali the, yeah, it's, it's old Murali there. He's coming up to ball. <laughs> okay, so that is pretty much the end of the show. Uh, I always finish the show by reading out the reviews. The reviews for the podcast. Keep sending them in. Five stars only, please. Come on. 
five, you know I've got enough trolls out there. I need you. Oh, by the way, I went past a thousand reviews on iTunes and I've got a five star rating, which is kind of like, it's the closest you can get in podcasts to kind of like, can I honestly say that? I was going to say brown belt because I was trying to think of karate and I also said, I, I, try, I almost said brown wings. <laughs> it's almost as close as you get to getting your brown wings. Imagine if I just carried on and just didn't reference that. People are like, oh my God, that's quite a graphic reference, Jeff, for a podcast thing. Um, so this is from JBG1809. Uh, great pod as always. Can't believe you bottled the Chinese accent. I didn't, I didn't bottle the Chinese accent. You you, you fucking bottled the Chinese accent. I'm, I'm a fucking edgy comic. I'm, I'm, I, I, I just accidentally put the theme tune in as I was doing it, so whatever. Uh, this is from Jay Mackham, 82. I'm late to the party with the pod, but I've been listening since about episode 60. When I get the time, I listen back to all the episodes. As someone that doesn't really drift to either the left or the right, I'll just support things and dislike others. Fucking, what are you talking about, you edgelord? That's, what? What, you mean you have different opinions? It makes me laugh. You know, like... Those people, I've mentioned this on the podcast, but I haven't said it for a while. Those people are always going like, look, while I don't normally agree with Piers Morgan, they always have to preface it like, uh, I actually agree with him when he agrees with me. Surprise, surprise. Well, look now. Now do you still agree with him? I'm sure Piers Morgan in the eyes of the left is now back to being a right winger. Um, you are right of centre, but are open a healthy debate with your guests. I thought the Owens Jones episode was really good. You do mention Jeff Bezos every episode, which is surprising given that he uses the inferior spelling of Jeff. Uh, that's absolutely right. Uh, and that's from John Lambert, just a man. <laughs> I'm John Lambert, and I'm just a man. That sounds like, John, if you had your own podcast, you'd do this real, like, gritty, northeast, logical takes and stuff, and then it would finish with, I'm John Lambert... And I'm just a man. Uh, this is from Tower Runner. <laughs> I don't know why, but that sounded like one of those old dodgy old insults. Get out of here, you fucking Tower Runner. Uh, I wish I had discovered this podcast earlier. Great to have some balance restored. Keep up the good work, Jeff. And I think that, yeah, those are the reviews uh, from this week. And we will have, uh, we'll be back with a guest episode next week. And I am Jeff Norcott. And I'm just a man. Okay, 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 okay.